So we kick off a new series today, which I'm going to pray here in just a minute for it. Uh, our series is called Thanks for Giving. Uh, we did this series, uh, we'll do different content, but we did this idea in the first year of our church. And uh, today, specifically, we're going to talk a little bit about the election and voting and politics. And uh, what I'm thankful for is that I don't have to figure it out on my own this year. I'm so thankful. Uh, what I'm thankful this week, thanks for giving, I'm thankful that God gave us his holy word. He gave us a way to look at scripture and determine how in the world are we going to figure this out on Tuesday, right? You know, what, what, what is God saying we should be doing uh, when we take and cast our vote and step forward? So uh, week one for me, my thanks for giving. I'm just thankful that God gave us his word and he gave us promises and that we don't have to do this on our own. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for today. Lord, I ask that you help me communicate your word clearly. Uh, Lord, I pray that all of these scriptures uh, just go right to our heart. Uh, Lord, we don't want to argue with them. We don't want to wrestle with them. Uh, Lord, we don't want them to go through filters of things that we've heard and predetermined. God, we genuinely want you to speak to us this morning. Uh, God, I pray that as the word goes forward, uh, it doesn't come from the mouth of a man or a pastor or a person. God, we want to hear from you. And uh, Lord, we ask that you do that in our time. In Jesus' name, amen. So I actually hate the idea that I'm even saying this is a political sermon uh, because we don't preach political. We aren't like, hey, it's time to preach a political sermon. We're actually a political church. So I preach political sermons on a weekly basis. Amen. Uh, because what we're doing every Sunday when we get up here is we get up here and we speak our allegiance, right, to God. And what we believe, he says, how we should live our life. So every day when we take a look at scripture, what we're doing is we're actually talking of matters of politics and how we should engage in our community, how we should be this. Uh, and so for me, uh, I actually hate it when we you know, say, oh, this weekend's a, a message on politics or you know, uh, at this time of the year, it's really important that Christians take a political stand like in a season. That drives me crazy. <laughs> we take political stands all the time when we say, Oh, kids in the schools need mentors? We're going to take a stand and go do that. Oh, kids in the schools need grocery assistance? We're going to go do that. Why? Because we're pledging our allegiance to God in the way he called us to live every weekend. Amen? A culture cannot demand decency once every four years and live like hell for the duration of those four years. We show up at election time once every four years and we say, oh, now we want to see change. Now we want to make a stand. Now we feel like we should stand up and make a difference. And all the other days of those four years, we do whatever we want. We don't stand up for things. We don't participate in things. We aren't engaged in things. That's how we got here. The, 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 the people that we have, the people that have been put in place are actually just a representation of our culture. I don't know how he got here. I'll tell you how he got here. That's who we are. I said, well, no, I'm, I'm redeemed in Christ. I'm not a bad, I'm with you. I, you know what I'm saying? I'm not getting up here to say, we're all the scum. We're all bad. But it's frustrating that people act so surprised that this is who's there when every other day of the week, we aren't as passionate about the things that we're passionate about one time a year or every four years. They represent our culture. Whether we choose to believe it or not, the people that we have in position, and we will pray for them and we will stand with them, but they are actually a representation of where we've let culture go. Well, I don't know, you know, 
this person about women and treats this way, and this person over here with corruption and this. Let me just give you some statistics about how we live on a daily basis. Fifty Shades of Grey sold 120 million books. 120 million books. It's, I believe, in the top six highest-selling books of all time. And we say, I can't believe there's a person who views women this way. And we have one of our top-selling books is in this genre. It made $571 million in the box office. This movie grossed a half a billion dollars, and we're so surprised that we have somebody representing our culture who talks a certain way or acts a certain way when we're selling out weekends with these types of movies. Ashley Madison had 37, this is the affair website that got busted, Ashley Madison. It had 37 million real users. So there was a civil lawsuit and people that actually got the payout as real people, 37 million people were subscribed to a cheating website where they demean their wives or their relationships or whatever their thing. And we're so confused about how we have a representation of what we have. You still with me? Comedies sell out every weekend in the highest gross. And I'm not against comedies. I'm not against. But we act so surprised when we get these levels of leadership that joke a certain way and speak a certain way. And yet we're filling up these comedies in the movie theaters every weekend. Explicit music. Oh, I can't believe they talk that way about a person or they say this. I'm so surprised. How are you so surprised? Explicit music. When I was a teenager, they put a label on it because there was like two albums that had explicit ratings. Now the majority of what comes out has to be censored and said to parents, hey, this is really rough. They talk about women this way and they talk about the police this way and they talk about this way and violence and da, da, da. Who's with me? And we're so surprised that all of a sudden these people in position are of this, right? Corruption of corporate businesses, and, 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 and we're so surprised that all the layers of corruption and, and, and this dealing and this dealing, when we have these businesses that we see all the time, shortchanging and corrupting this, and, and then we're so surprised about the corruption. Or even in our lives specifically, oh, I can't believe the lies, I can't believe the this, I can't believe the this. When we on a continually basis let the little white lies, well, this person, oh, I can't, and we, and we white lie throughout a daily basis and we think nothing of it. <laughs> Amen? So we're so surprised. I thought about this. The pornography business, okay? And, we're in, in, and I'm not here, I'm really not here, and you'll see it by the end, to try to lean you to a candidate. I'm, I'm, I'm really not. Uh, you'll, you'll see what the scripture says here. Uh, so when I talk about, oh, I can't believe uh, the corruption and the, and the da-da-da, and the, it's every category that we look at as Americans, do you know that just the internet pornography business makes more money than ABC, NBC, and CBS combined? Combined. And you have to go on the internet and find that, and you don't pay for it, and then you have, it's, it's combined. And then we're so confused why we have people talking about women in a way, if we want to fix it, we need to fix it on a daily basis, not a once every four basis, amen? So our vote comes on a daily basis. What's frustrating about these seasons is it's like we're floating down a river, and then at an election time, we get passionate about turning around. 
we're good with everybody, we're having a good time. It's like, oh, it's the fourth year, I better get passionate about a couple things. Let me turn around a minute. And the whole time, you've, we've just been cruising along. And then a month out, we get real excited about how we want to see our communities different. We vote on a daily basis, amen? And the scripture talks about this. The scripture talks about how uh, it's not that we put trust in a person. It's that we put trust in a standard of living, which the Bible calls righteousness. The word righteousness means right standing with God, meaning we've taken the principles of scripture and we apply them to our lives. We're in right standing with God. We're following the laws and principles in the ways that he's commanded us to live. Proverbs 14, 34 says this, says that righteousness, right standing with God, living out the scriptures on a daily basis the way he called us to, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The scripture, one translation, the word reproach here actually means it like this, but sin is a disappointment to any people or to any person. Well, what is the number one thing we're hearing about this? We're so what? Disappointed that this is where we've come as a country. Why? Because we've forsaken righteousness for sin and all we have as a reward is disappointment. Amen? So what do we gotta do? We gotta get back to a standard of righteousness. Right standing with God, righteousness. And so we are to pursue righteousness. The hard part is the scripture says that we need to pursue righteousness, right standing with God, not right saying with God, not what we say. God doesn't judge us, he judges our words, but he judges by our actions. The scripture says, by him, our actions are weighed. We're weighed by what we do, right standing with so. You can get somebody to come up there. We're all sick of it, right? If I can be really real. We, we get people that get up there and they say and they say and they say. And then they go over to the other candidate and they find a bunch of bad stuff that they said and said and said. And there's all this saying. But what are we putting in place that is standing, right standing? So this is where I'm starting to talk about what are the policies? What are the things that we're putting actually in place? Not the things that we're saying, not the news clip headlines, not the, the, the wiki leaks, not all the whatever. What is being said that is going to be policy that is going to determine our standing with God? That's what we're going to the booth to take a look at on Tuesday, amen? So right standing, not right saying. Great leaders, here, here's what's frustrating too, is a lot of times we get confident in the charismatic, Matt, you know, oh, that person. And we say that person's a great leader because they handle this or they talk like this or they say, we get wooed. And there's some people that talk real well and we got real wooed. But what God is really looking at is the standing. What are they willing to say? We are going to do this. And it's hard in our country to even hold somebody to what they say they're going to do. Amen. <laughs> but hey, what, what is the policy? What is the thing? Because listen, here's the thing. If the policies aren't in place, you can make great mistakes. I'll actually show it to you here in the Bible. If you don't have godly, righteous policies and structures, it hurts the nations. We look at King David. The scripture says that he put King David, great man of God, great man of God, but he had bad policies, if you will, and he numbered the people and 50,000 people were destroyed because there wasn't accountability. There wasn't a, and so a great man of God with wrong policies can still do damage to a nation. 
We know that Hezekiah in scripture says that he essentially shared military secrets and the scripture said that it brought a, a curse onto the land. It was a godly person. It was somebody who loved the Lord but didn't have strong policy, didn't have strong standings in place and it cost. And so I wanna take a look at a few things here in our last 10 minutes. If you, if you look at this, we see in scripture, we'll pick up where God starts to set order. What does it look like? What is law? What is voting? What is, and we'll see where God starts to establish literally a nation. What does it look like to establish a nation? And so we actually see in Isaiah uh, chapter one, verse 26, we'll read it here in a minute. Uh, but essentially uh, Manasseh is the most wicked king at the time. Like it's the hardest run for the people of God against this. And, and essentially they're coming in, and, okay, it's time to set, set new order. Here's a way that we're gonna help you uh, run a godly nation, Isaiah chapter 126. And uh, I got kind of a mashup here of some versions, but it says this, Isaiah 126, the new living in the new King James, says, then I will give you good judges again and wise counselors like you used to have. Then you shall be called a city of righteousness, the faithful city. Here's what I really want you to catch in this scripture. It says, I will give you good judges and wise counselors. So how I many you know judges are a thing Supreme Court, you know, all of the, we're talking, that's what we're talking about. We're going to establish good judges, wise counselors, people to come around us. But notice the scripture did this. It said, then, when you have good judges and good people in place, then you shall be called the righteous city, a faithful city. You shall have righteousness. So what it's saying is it's important for you to raise a great nation to, to make sure that you have great judges and you have people around them. And some of you are like, I don't even care. You're boring me already. And, and we're gonna get past this in a minute. But what it's saying here is like, look, again, you gotta set order. There is a godly, righteous order to the things that we do. And so what we know is most of our culture war that we're fighting against in America and the things that we wanna see changed, they actually come from courtrooms and judges and things that we have in place. So uh, many of us would go, oh, I'm so disgruntled in this. I don't care this year. I'm telling you, there is courtrooms and there's things that are gonna be established based on these policies that are gonna go in. So we need to pray and ask God, hey, wh what do you want me to do in this, amen? A big deal to God when we talk about right standing as a nation has to do with Israel. Uh, he literally promises and says, hey, not only do I promise this, but I'm not a liar. When it comes to standing with Israel, you see, he makes a covenant with Abraham. And he says to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse one through three, he says, listen, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in all the families of the land shall be blessed. And in Psalm 105, he says, this covenant or this promise to stand with those who stand with Israel, he says, that's for a thousand generations. Well, do you know that we're only about 200 years away? Uh, we've only gone about 200 years. There is a long time left in this covenant with Abraham that the countries that stand with Israel are the ones that are gonna be blessed by God, amen? It's a big deal this year that we be a people who stand with Israel. Numbers chapter 23, as I mentioned, he says, I don't lie. I'm not a God, I don't lie. And so it's really important for us to take a look at that. And so here's where we get government. In my last five minutes, if you'll give me this, this is where we get government. This is where we get policy. God literally, I'm so thankful in this series that God gave us this structure to look at and it goes like this. Uh, we all know the story where Moses, he's running, he's leading his people out of the wilderness. He's had the time where there was the plagues. Uh, he had the Red Sea. 
uh, where God is leading him, and then God is leading him by fire. And essentially, they get to a place where they can finally take a break. <laughs> They're not on the run anymore. They're not dependent on the miracles of God on this you know, gigantic level. They stop, and God says, okay, now here, I'm going to establish the law. And so God gives 613 laws or things in place about, hey, as we're establishing you as a God's people nation, uh, here's 613, and that included literally everything you can think of, taxation and debt and welfare uh, and uh, the economy and, and healthcare, education, literally everything that you need to know, <laughs> the treatment of animals and uh, criminal justice, literally everything you need to know is in the 613. But just like what we do, uh, if you were to go on the website right now of our candidates, they've narrowed all of these things down to about their top 30 or 40. You go on their websites, you see there's about 30 or 40 issues that they really press. Well, God actually did this too. You see, he chose the top 10 of those 613. Are you guys all still with me? We call them the 10 commandments. So essentially he's saying the 613 is all very, very important. But if I'm going to give you the backbone or the most important, the top 10 of these 613, these are it. These are the 10 commandments. So everything that you do should filter through the top 10. And uh, we'll look at these top 10 in a minute. As a matter of fact, in Exodus chapter 34, God calls the 10 commandments the tenor of the 613, the top, the most important, if you will. So when it's time for us to go make a decision, we take a look at these top 10 and we say, hey, these are the most important to God. This is what he said to establish a great nation, to be the people of God, to treat people rightly. To, these are the top 10 things we need to take to our uh, polling or you know, voting, whatever. And these are the top 10. And so when we take a look at them, the very first thing that he starts off with is what we all know. The very first thing he says is, I am the Lord thy God. And he gives the first command. He says, thou shall not have any other gods before me. What does this mean to us today? What it means to us today is that we have to make sure that public religious acknowledgement is kept at a high standard. So what that means for us is that our religious conscience, us as a Christian, be able to say, these are my values with God. I'm protecting this conscience, this religious freedom that I have because the Lord is my God and I'm not having anything else come in front of that. We need to make sure somebody is protecting your religious freedom. It gets dangerous in this top 10 when we set people in place that could say to somebody else, you have to make a cake a certain way or you have to do a floral arrangement. When somebody says, hey, no, we're going to jump over the fact that you've put the Lord your God number one in your life, we have an issue when it comes to the commandments. So we need to go look at it. Is somebody going to hold up? my religious conscience and my freedom and my ability to acknowledge him as my number one uh, in my life. Number two, that's a really big issue that we see in the top 10 is it says, thou shall not commit adultery. Well, we believe uh, scripture says that marriage is meant to be between a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage, a lifetime union. That's what we see in scripture. So anytime something is put in place that is outside of man, woman, in a long-term covenant sexually, anything that's outside of that violates our top 10 filter that God has called us to. Are you with me? Amen. So we need to take a look at like what is being put in place that upholds the sanctity of godly marriage. Amen. It's a big deal to us. It's a big deal. God put it in his top 10. 
And then number three, uh, that is a big deal. Uh, he says in the top 10, thou shalt not murder. The shedding of innocent blood, uh, you know, many of us, we take a look at all the different ways that you can talk about uh, abortion or justify it or uh, all the different scenarios, but God says, hey, uh, I am not for the shedding of innocent blood. And what's important to us to notice, and sometimes we don't take a look at it, but in the book of uh, Luke chapter one, you see a story where Mary's pregnant with Jesus and she goes and sees her friend Elizabeth who's pregnant with John the Baptist, and the scripture has accounted that those two babies in the womb acknowledged each other. That when the voice of one spoke, the other unborn, <clears throat> scripture says, leapt and acknowledged essentially what later became to be one of Jesus' best friends, John the Baptist. Who, who they, and so literally our word, the word of God, gives an account for the unborn. How much more should our political system uphold the unborn, Amen. And so I believe that the unborn have rights. I believe, amen. And so again, we, we have to decide between all the headlines and all the thing and all the, what does the top 10 say? What does is, what is the word of God say? Now I'm not here because I don't know your pain and I don't know your story and I don't know your family story. So I'm not get up here to tell you that you're a bad person and you're wrong and you've made the wrong decision. As a matter of fact, this week I realized between two services, we'll see over 300 adults and I'm going to get it wrong in somebody's life according to their value. I'm gonna say something they don't agree with. But what I'm saying to you in love is my email's on the website. Shoot me an email. I would love to talk with you in love and in grace and not argue with you and understand you. The Bible says one of the most important things we can do is seek understanding. I'm not saying any of these things to judge somebody or tell somebody how bad of a person they are. What I'm getting up here to say is like, listen, God gave us a top 10 because this top 10 is the best way to live. And we all want to live our best possible life in the design that God gave us. And so I'm not trying to come down on anybody. What I'm trying to say is we got to get this top 10 right so that God can bless this nation because no person is going to make America great again. And that's not my angle to tell you to vote for. I just, I'm selling you. It's, it's God. The scripture says the nations rest upon God's shoulders. He's in control. I love Fred said when we were in prayer yesterday, Fred said when he was praying, our bass player, he said, uh, no matter what happens on Tuesday, God's not going to move to Canada. And I was like, <laughs> yes, that's so good. So we have to uphold the sanctity of marriage and, and, and uh, life. There's no shedding of innocent blood. And so the biggest thing is this, we would use this idea that says we have to vote under God. And I'm with you, I, I, and, and this sounds like a hypocritical statement to say what I said. Don't we all wish we could just skip it this year, right? Don't we wish we could just, what if the vote was to like start over? I would, you know, would we check? But the bottom line is Tuesday's coming, and we have to go in, and we have to vote under God. We have to say, God, uh, you know, this is, he knows. Uh, Fred said in prayer yesterday, he said, no matter what happens on Tuesday, God's not moving to Canada. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> That's, I'm putting that in there. That's good. And that's the truth. The scripture says that the nations are on his shoulders. He's got this. But it's important for us to still look at the ways that he established, put ourselves under the covenant and the promises that he's made. Uh, I'll close with this. He gives us a top 10. There's 613 other things. So if economy is really important to you, it's important to me, it's good, but doesn't make the top 10, not right now. But it's in the 613. We should care about it. Immigration is a really big deal. 
Uh, it's in the 613, and we should care about it, and we should look at it. But does it make our top 10? We need to look at it. Uh, when you look at environmentalism and, and, and all the different things, is it important to God? It's important to God. I can show you in scripture where he calls us to take care of our land and the things that he's given. It's important, but it didn't make the top 10. And so we got to go in and go, what are the most important? He gave us 613 and all of them matter to him because he put them in place. But we got to go in and we got to go, God's saying, hey, these 10, if you keep these, we're going to be all right. And we still care about all the other. But ultimately, it comes down to this. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6, we all know the scripture. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for your kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good, this is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth for there is one God, one mediator, one who can reconcile us to God, humanity, the man, Jesus Christ. He gave us life to purchase freedom for everyone. It's all about how we pray. And the most important thing is that we, we just pray into it. We seek God about it. Amen. Second Corinthians seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. How are we going to fix it? Ah, it's this. We humble ourselves. We seek God. We ask for forgiveness of all of the things that we mentioned in the beginning. It's too overwhelming. No, no. He says, look, we got to seek him. We got to ask forgiveness. We got to change. We got to turn from our evil ways and he's going to be able to heal our land. God can do it. Amen. So we're red, white, and blue. I love this thought by Pastor Stephen Furtick. In this time, you know, we're red, white, and blue. And then you have red and blue, Democrat, Republican, you have the, but we're none of those. What we are, we're white, which is the white flag of surrender. My allegiance is not to red or blue. Or, my allegiance is to the allegiance of, God, I surrender to your ways, the ways that you're calling me to live this thing out. What we said earlier, Psalm 37, three, trust in the Lord and do good, then you will live safely in the land and prosper. I would say it to you like this. If Tuesday, your day, you find, if Tuesday, no matter what happens, if one way you're happier and you have more hope in life and, oh, I feel better about, and we're talking about the future of America, but if because a person makes it, you have more hope, you've missed it by a mile. Our hope and trust comes in God. Same way, if you, on Tuesday, the wrong person for you makes it and you lose hope, which some will be frustrated because of what we just talked about. We want to, there's important things at stake. But if hopelessness fills you because your person doesn't make it, you've missed it by a mile because our hope and trust comes in God because the nations rest upon his shoulders, amen? I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle said this week. It said, we will be known, the scripture says, for our love, not our political party alliance. My last thing to you is this. I hope that you forget about, if you haven't done this already, my prayer for you on Tuesday is that you forget about every voice you've heard even if it's this, my voice. On Tuesday, you go get God's voice. 
for what you're supposed to do. Delete every headline you've heard, every news can say, well, that's not wisdom. I've seen the evidence. If you're putting that evidence in front of the voice of God, you're missing it by a mile. Tuesday, you get up and you say, God, today, lead me in righteousness. Help me hear your voice to make a decision. And at the end of the day, whatever you felt God has said for you to do, that's you, amen? But I love this verse. This is the message version in Psalm 46.10. This is what I'm gonna do Tuesday. Psalm 46.10, message version. It says, step out of the traffic, take a long loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. That's what I'm gonna do Tuesday. I'm stepping out of the crazy traffic and I'm gonna set my eyes on him and I'm gonna say, God, you lead me to do it. You lead me in the way that, that I should go, I will follow, amen? And then we do what we talked about earlier. We pray and we just pray for kings and leaders and officials and we pray and we know that it's us voting on a daily basis that makes the difference, amen?